0: Merry Christmas. Christmas. What a great time of year. Well, we're talking about Peter today as another example of a servant. Acts just keeps giving us example after example. Guess whose example we'll look at next Sunday? Jesus. The ultimate example, right? The example that all of these people we've been looking at. Are trying to be like. And so this is the last of our series before Christmas and today we're looking at Peter. Peter has a special role in Acts chapter 10 and 11 for being an includer. And so if we go to this next slide, um, just to give you an example, recap. So we've looked at Barnabas being a faithful friend, serving people in that way. We looked at Stephen being a perseverant in suffering as he served. We looked at Philip being bold to share the gospel, courageous in that way. And then last week, we looked at Saul, which shows that even in the worst of sinners is where we all start from. <laughs> and that's where we go to, to share the good news. And today we're looking at Peter, who's an includer. So I want to start off with a story here. We'll roll to this picture. For some, this strikes fear in the he- hearts of every junior hire, all right? And for some of us, it still does. I-, I remember when I was 10 years old, my family moved from southern Minnesota in a town a little bigger than this. Um, we knew most everybody. I could walk through the high V, and I was known as the little Anderstrom brother. Um, and then we moved up to the big Twin Cities, And nobody, nobody knew who I was, and I didn't know anybody. And I remember walking into the school. It was an elementary school that went K through fourth grade, and my family moved fall of fourth grade. And so everybody had their friends, right? And I remember just being terrified of this situation. I remember one time I, I left the school building with my mom. I think we came in over lunchtime. I said, I'm not going in there. I took one look, and that was it. And my mom had a conversation with me about, Rob, have you ever heard what a comfort zone is? So we talked about that. And well, you are certainly outside of your comfort zone right now. But I couldn't handle it. I I ended up locking myself in a bathroom, and I wouldn't go to school. We decided to homeschool the rest of the year. Really, I couldn't take it. And you might be like, well, you seem like you can shake hands pretty well now, but (laughs) even 18 months ago when we moved here, right? It's what lunch table are you going to sit at? (laughs) And I came in as the pastor, preaching my first Sunday, still having to figure out where's my lunch table, right? Um, Another time, my family moved. We moved um, across town in the Twin Cities when I was in ninth grade. And it was... uh, the academy, the school of the church we'd been going to for a few years. So I, I knew people when I came to that school, and our family moved to that town. And I remember <laughs> I remember going through the lunch line, a little bit nervous, and getting to this scene. I remember someone saying, Rob, over here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I went over and sat at that table. I appreciated that. But I didn't stay at that table. I started to think, you know what? There's some kids sitting alone that need one of those hay over here's. And so I didn't turn my back on that table that did that for me. I passed it along <laughs> I had to go reach out to someone else. So I started to do that in high school, bouncing around a little bit, trying to be that friend that someone was for me. And so, with that introduction, I'm going to ask Dan Albers up here to share the scripture. Now, this is the longest story in Acts, all right? And so, Dan's going to read chapter 11, verses 4 through 18. That's the short version, okay? So, it gives you a picture of where we're going. And then, I'll retrace our steps to fill in some more detail. So, Dan, take it away. Thanks.
1: Thanks. Uh, Good morning, church. Great to see everyone. Uh, Uh... as Rob mentioned, will be an ax. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds. And I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet, and all it contained pulled back was pulled back up into heaven. Jesus then, just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were, saying, the Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers are accompanied, are here accompanying me. And we soon entered the home of the men who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told them, Send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, The Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in the God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see what God has also given the Gentiles, the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Now, change is not always easy for me, okay? Um, If you ask, well, Steve Hansen, a former student from a while ago, or Jeremy Schrock, a former student from a while ago, or Andrew Mayer, a student from not so long ago, I still have chalkboards in my room. I don't change easily, but the last part of that scripture kind of makes me think when uh, Peter was going into the house of a Gentiles, okay, and that was a big, 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 big change. And when he came back, the Jews or his uh, the apostles wondered about that. That's not that's against our law. We don't do that. That's change. And so Peter explained the story I just read somewhat nervously and uh the the apostles didn't say you know what i don't know peter i i think i'm gonna go on twitter and say that i don't think that's right no they heard the evidence they heard god's prompting in peter and they celebrated and uh i guess that's one thing that i hope i'm not always good at change but if change is coming from the lord i hope i'm receptive to it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah excellent thank you dan well, let's, let's pray. As Dan mentioned, if the change is from the Lord, we want to be receptive to that. And Lord, there's no growth without change. There's no learning without change. There's no obedience without change, Lord. There's no becoming more like you without change. And so, Lord change us, mold us to be more like you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a reason that this passage gets the most attention as a story in Acts is because the flow of the whole Scripture changes a course here. This is a big thing that the early church needed to understand. If, like, if you take this story out of it, People misunderstand this, misinterpret it. That's why there's so much repetition in it. But you prevent the Great Commission from going to the ends of the earth. If God's people only eat lunch with their buddies and stay in their own lunch table, the task Jesus set forth to the church to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth will not be accomplished. It won't happen. And so I believe that's why this gets so much attention. And that's how the church started with the Great Commission to go and do this. That's how a lot of churches start, right? There's a town. There's no church. And so a few people decide together as here 50 years ago, a few people decided together, you know what? We need to start a church, okay? So there's a chance that we can invite people into the lunch table. And yet that drift can often happen where we get away from that. So easy. There's so many organizations out there that start with a mission and then it turns into something else over time. And we'll see later on. That actually even happens to Peter here. Even though he's the person that God reveals this to, he messes up later on. Which I like Peter's examples that he can mess up and then get back on track. But that drift can happen. So let me introduce you to the characters here. The first one is going to be Cornelius. And so if you'll look in your Bibles in chapter 10, verse 1, the very beginning, we find this man, Cornelius. And he is a centurion, okay? He's a Roman officer. And he's from Caesarea. He was a devout God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. So in Luke's writings, he's, he's been favorable towards centurions. Jesus, in Luke chapter 7, heals the servant of a centurion. This was no Jewish man, okay? But Jesus was willing, by his faith, To heal his servant. And it was a centurion at the foot of the cross that was of the first to recognize truly this is the Son of God. And so I don't know if that word about Jesus spread to this centurion, but he certainly was hopeful that he could be part of what was going on here. He lived in a town called Caesarea, which was the Roman military base that was pivotal in occupying Judea. The Jews hated it. So much so that they redrew their maps to exclude Caesarea from Israel. There was more Gentiles than Jews in this area. It brought a government into that and control into that area that the Jews despised. It was their conquering nation and the foothold that they had on their land. And this man Cornelius was part of the army conquering this nation. There is some hostility here. So much so that a generation later, about 30 years later, this is where the great Jewish war broke out against Rome. It started in this town. with nearly two, uh, According to this historian Josephus, nearly two thou- 20,000 Jews were massacred in this town, starting a huge revolt throughout the nation. So tensions are high. Okay, tensions get hot. And yet God wanted to do something here. Verse three. Middle of the afternoon, Cornelius is praying, as later on it depicts. Cornelius sees an angel and stares at him in terror. Centurions don't like to be snuck up on, by the way, <laughs> especially by something as frightening as an angel. And the angel replied, your, gifts, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Pretty interesting. That what he gave was received, not by the people he gave it to, but by God. This man's heart, heart is ready As he's seeking after God to receive this news about Jesus. Verse 5 tells Cornelius the plan. Send some men to Joppa. There summon a man named Simon Peter. Shares where he's staying by the shoreline there. As soon as the angel had gone, Cornelius, he did it. He called two of his household servants and a soldier, one of his personal attendants, and told them what had happened and sent them to Joppa so they go to Joppa and Peter's going to have a decision to make and you'll, find, you'll see here Peter doesn't want to do it <laughs> it actually takes three times to get Peter to do it God is telling Peter in Joppa hey I want to bring the gospel to even your conquering nation that's conquering you and Peter could have said no I find it fascinating that in Joppa, you remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he lived in Joppa. And God told him, go to Nineveh, the capital of your conquering nation. The Assyrians took over Israel. God tells Jonah, go and tell them the gospel. And Jonah didn't. He went the opposite way. He didn't want to do that. That was outside of his comfort zone, just like me in fourth grade. He wanted to lock himself in the bathroom and say, no, I'm not doing that. Peter was even more stubborn than that. It takes three times here for him to do it. So let's let's look in verse 9. So the next day, these messengers arrive. Peter was on the flat roof to pray of his house about noon. He was hungry. While a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. You notice here that he's in prayer as God opens these new doors for ministry. I think that's a lesson to be learned from this. Often God uses prayer to direct our acts of service, where we should go, to open our hearts to what he wants us to do. And in verse 11, this trance was that he saw the sky open up something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And the voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Verse 14. No. See, this was outside of his comfort zone. There are rules as Jewish people that they weren't supposed to do this. But what changed? Well, what changed was that Jesus Christ died on a cross. And with that, brought unity amongst a lot of things, including people eating together. This no Lord is a is a grammatical contradiction. Is he Lord if you say no? No. It's a grammatical contradiction. It would be yes, Lord. Otherwise, why call me Lord? <laughs> right? You're just going to say no lord, no lord, no lord. Why why call me lord? <laughs> that's not the that's not an accurate title for your life here. But Peter replies, "No lord. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean." But the voice spoke again. This is convicting to me. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. You see it takes seeing things with God's eyes. And not our own. The same vision was repeated three times. The reason it happened three times was because Peter kept saying no. (laughs) But as Peter often goes, it after three times he gets it. (laughs) He's a little slow, but he finally gets it. Okay? Just like when he denied Jesus three times. Okay. He was reinstated three times. Here he's told three times. And finally. Oh, okay. You're serious about this. Yeah. God is serious about the purpose for which he put you on the earth. Church. To be about the great commission. He is serious about that. And I bet he would have gone a fourth time to Peter say, "No, this is still important to me that you do this." Verse 17. So this is what this is what Peter's figuring out. It says said really well here in a letter to the Ephesians church that Christ himself has brought peace to us and that he united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So the world can only see things through human eyes. We judge that way, okay? We set up our lunch tables that way. There's the band kids. There's the girls' table. There's the boys' table, all right? There's the athletes. There's all sorts of tables, okay? The world has no other way how to do it. They don't know. And yet, the gospel message is that Jesus broke down that wall of hostility that we have towards one another, so that even a Roman and a Jew are being called at the foot of the cross to be together. You see, when you come to church, there's no no lunch tables. There's one table, and that's the Lord's table, that as we break the body and blood of Christ, we are all united together as one. And yet we drift away from that. Peter himself drifts away from that as the years go by. Look at this passage in Galatians chapter 2. Paul says that he had to oppose Peter to his face because he was eating with the Gentile believers in in the church of Antioch. But then afterward, when some friends came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Peter himself, the one who starts this whole revelation, later on drifts away from that. He buddies up in his lunch table. And I bet those that he separated from felt like locking themselves in a bathroom. (laughs) Going, what in the world? Really? Really? Peter was afraid of criticism from these people. Peer pressure. Well, Peter, that's not tradition. That's not how we've done things. Come on, Peter, you're better than that. Peter, do you, do you really know if, if that Gentile is fully sanctified yet? None of us are, right? Do you know if they're really saved? Only God knows. chapter later in Galatians in 3. Here's the conclusion, right? Peter figured this out and he had to be reminded of it, but that we are all children of God, right? We have all been united with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. There's no longer the lunch table that's the hometowners and the lunch table that's the out-of-towners. There's no longer the lunch table of the rich kids and the lunch table of the poor kids. There's no longer the girls' table and the boys' table, okay? It's the Lord's table that we are called to as the church. And there's a seat for everybody on that table. So re-entering our story here, Paul shares the message when he becomes, he's perplexed at first, but he figures it out. He goes with them to Cornelius. Cornelius has a large gathering of people, and he, this is how he starts his message. He, he figures it out. He says, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. In other words, he says, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. All right? I'm breaking a lot of people's expectations on me to do this. But, as Dan mentioned, God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. The verse just prior to this, uh, back in verse 26, I probably should have included it here. It's great. But when he arrives, Cornelius bows down to worship him and he says, get up, I am a I'm just a human being just like you are. Right? That equal footing. No savior complex when we're reaching out to people as if we're better. But we know that we've been accepted and included, okay? And that others deserve the exact same thing. I think in America, unless you're Native American, we're all immigrants, right? Sometimes we forget that. Well, I'm I'm an American. Well, I'm also a fourth-generation immigrant, okay? Right? When we remember our roots, it makes us a little more welcoming for others that are just in a different stage of that journey. Peter then ends his message by saying this, and Peter replied, I can see clearly. No, I think he starts his message with this. We'll find out. (laughs) But Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do it right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Yeah, this is how he starts his message. (laughs) He's saying, God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't show favoritism. The implication, so neither should you. 2 Corinthians 5.16 is a great passage. It says that we should no longer view others from a human point of view. We should no longer view other people through people's eyes. But through God's eyes. How does God see that person? Even if they're my enemy, how does God see that person? And what does God want for that person? he ends the message then with this, that Jesus ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all. See, God, Jesus is the judge. So we see things from his point of view. If he says someone's forgiven, they're forgiven. He's to judge all, the living and the dead. He is the one that the prophets prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Everyone who believes. Judge of all. To the ends of the earth. All people, all nations. Next slide, please. So even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. So when faith arrived the Holy Spirit arrived. They didn't even wait for the altar call, right? When faith arrived, the Holy Spirit arrived. They didn't wait for the baptism, okay? When faith arrived, when there's belief, there is salvation. When there is belief, there is the indwelling of the Spirit. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed. He calls it the gift The Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. This gift was intended for them. The Holy Spirit, He set this up, remember? (laughs) He wanted to bring this gift to them. It had their name on it. Peter got used by God. A tremendous way to do that. Then Peter asked, He's talking to his buddies with them. I think. Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, stayed with Cornelius for several days. No objection there, right? But there's objection when he gets home. Let's turn the corner now into the next verses. Soon, the news reached... The apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Saying, you entered the home of Gentiles. You even ate with them, they said. Right? Think of someone at your lunch table in school all of a sudden sitting off with some random table. You're going, what are you doing? Are we still Friends? Where are you going? They criticize him. Here's the deal. People often have missions in their life different than the mission of God, right? And I want us to be careful that if we never get any criticism, if we never get any pushback, we have to be careful that we're not just going along with everyone else's mission except the mission of that of Jesus Christ. Jesus broke a, lot, broke a lot of expectations. Starting right away in the manger. And as he went along, he broke a lot of expectations to the point that the Jews wanted to kill him. But he was not sent for their mission. He was sent for the mission that God had for him. We can still be kind. We can still be loving. We can still listen to others, but at the end of the day, we say, I know who the judge is. It's not you. Nor is it me. But it's God, and that's who I want to follow. That's who I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Passage closes with these words. Since God gave these Gentiles the same gift, see the word gift again, He gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? So, this is after Paul explains his actions, here's how he ends. This gift had their name on it. Okay? Under the Christmas tree, there's a lot of gifts. Imagine just taking all of them. <laughs> no, right? What do you do? You send the littlest kids to go hand out the gifts, right? Who's that one for? Who's that one for? I mean, imagine if the post office just holds on to all their packages this next week. We say, (laughs) that was the gift that I intended for other people. Church, we cannot hold on to the package of the gospel because it belongs to the ends of the earth. And to do that, we have to stop having lunch with our buddies. We have to go eat food that maybe we've never tried before in people's homes we've never been before. But in that, I guarantee you, you will find a joy in fellowshipping with Jesus. That is his heartbeat. When you do that along with him, you're going to experience the joy of a Savior living through you, saying, yes! I wanted to have a meal with that person, and now I get to through you. They can have the privilege of repenting from their sins, receiving eternal life, and receiving that gift. You see, under the Christmas tree, under the cross, there's a gift for everybody. Romans 10, 14 through 15 mentions that how can these people believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear if no one goes, if no one is sent? It ends by saying, How beautiful, though, are the feet of those who bring good news. So, Peter, let's be like him. More importantly, let's be like Christ Jesus, who is willing to go through a lot of change. To give up his throne of glory and to make his bed in a manger so that he could bring us the greatest gift of all. And as a church, let's not waver in bringing the gift to the world. That's That's an elder board's job, always discerning the mind and heart of Christ for the church, to stay on mission not necessarily always on tradition, but on mission, are we doing what God has called us to do in this time? So with that, we have a special song here from Brad and Brenda. and There's a line in the song that I want you to hear in the chorus, which says that they accepted the part that they would have in God's plan. Do you accept the part you have in God's plan? So let's pray. Lord, I thank You that You included me. That yet while I was a sinner, You died for me. Lord, that You demonstrate Your love for us in this. Thank You for accepting me. For washing me clean from my sin. For going to great lengths to include me. Thank You for a church that has accepted and included me, Lord. And I pray that we can be that to others. Lord, through prayerful eyes, give us your eyes to see where you'd want us to serve, where you want us to love, where you want us to bring your gift. We pray this in Jesus' name.